Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, man, it is going to be a very fun show today. I <laughs> Oh, man. Let's just start it off by saying this. The Bears have done it yet again. Yes, the Bears, the Chicago Bears, have gotten their fans' hopes up yet again just to chop them down with an effortless, effortless motion. Terrible. Terrible. I am still shocked how Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have a job. I said that in the last video. Ever since last week when this thing really started, quote, heating up, we were like, it's not happening. Because there are two variables here. One variable is the fact that the Bears have the 20th pick. The Seattle Seahawks are going to want a young quarterback in return for Russell Wilson, who has never had a losing season in his NFL career, which is a big thing has won a Super Bowl with the organization, and is owed a lot of money. So they're going to want a young replacement quarterback that you cannot guarantee at number 20. Number two, on why we thought this wouldn't happen, it's the Bears, or the Bears, however you want to call them. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have shown, at least Ryan Pace, I won't throw Matt Nagy in the quarterback thing, but Ryan Pace has gone, he's done the three things to get quarterbacks, the three big things to get quarterbacks. Traded for one, Signed one in free agency and drafted one. None of them worked out. Okay, it's safe to say. Especially comparatively to what was out there when they made those decisions to get those quarterbacks. Mike Glennon, Trubisky, Nick Foles, and now Andy Dalton. Now, I'm not surprised entirely that it was Andy Dalton. I thought it'd be someone like Mariota or Sam Darnold or someone along those lines. But Andy Dalton doesn't, it makes sense. Again, we said this would happen last year. This was my prediction for the Chicago Bears because of Bill Lazor being the offensive coordinator of the Bears. Worked together in Cincinnati. He was a free agent. I just thought it made a ton of sense to not happen. And then they decided to trade for Nick Foles, who I guess had a relationship with Nat Nagy when Nick Foles was the backup down in Kansas City. But I really thought Andy Dalton would make a lot of sense for the Chicago Bears. But they brought in Nick Foles, good situational quarterback. Not a great starter, full-time starter, but good situational guy. So you have Trubisky there, who we know, we he's limited. We knew that going into the season. So Nick Foles looked like a guy that would be very good. Trubisky would ultimately get benched. We all knew that would happen. It was just a matter of when, not if, it was more when. And Nick Foles would do fine. But we didn't expect the offense to be, how do I put this slightly, as terrible as it was with Nick Foles. And then the Bears ultimately made the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. And then now... This offseason, they're going to be aggressive in the quarterback hunt. My dad and I were making fun of a few of our friends that are Bears fans and said this means they're going to go after Chad Henney because the Bears being aggressive is not the same as 90% of NFL teams being aggressive for quarterbacks. And yes, I was using air quotes there because the Bears, it's the Bears. I'm sorry to the Bears fans out there that believed in their heart of hearts that this was going to happen, but it was obvious it wasn't going to happen. We knew they weren't going to get Russell Wilson, at least not this season. I made sure to preface that quite a few times on the show, that he, they could, he could eventually become a Chicago Bears quarterback. I won't rule it out entirely. I'm going to say that not this year. It's definitely not happening this year. The Seahawks were not shopping Russell Wilson, and it's the Bears. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. So Andy Dalton comes in. It is now going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So the Bears on their roster right now 
have two bridge quarterbacks in Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. So do they go after one in the draft? Sitting at 20, they're going to have to trade up for somebody. I don't know who, but with teams in front of them that are also looking to trade up or possibly trading up in the 49ers, the Patriots, the Washington football team, all those teams could look to trade up who have a lot less farther to go to get their quarterback than the Chicago Bears do. So this is going to be an interesting interesting month and a half for the Chicago Bears. Again, I don't want to say I'm surprised that they got Andy Dalton. I'm more surprised that it happened this year instead of last year, and I'm surprised they went after him instead of someone like Mariota or Sam Darnold, who has more potential than Andy Dalton. We'll see what he does with Bill Lazor as his offense coordinator yet again. Hopefully for his sake, Allen Robinson comes back. Because I, I, I think they were talking about franchise tagging him, but he hasn't been in contact with the Bears this entire offseason, essentially. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. So time will tell on that. But man, to be a Bears fan, who are already the most pessimistic fans in the history of sports, Next to the Jets. Them and the Jets are the two most pessimistic set of fans I've ever met in my entire life. Nothing is good for those two teams, ever. And it's funny to watch. Because as a fan of a team that didn't make the playoffs pretty much my entire life until a few years ago, it was it's weird seeing other fans suffer for quarterbacks, even though the Bears and Jets have had equally bad struggles of finding a quarterback as the Buffalo Bills. So I feel there's pain in a sense. Especially when you're linked with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and then you end up with Andy Dalton. If you were going to end up with Andy Dalton, why did you get rid of Trubisky? If you look at their careers, Andy Dalton, at least since 2017, Trubisky's got a higher completion percentage, higher yards per attempt, higher total QBR, and has a better touchdown-interception ratio. The way they treated Trubisky... Throughout this whole process. Again, we know he's limited. We know he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. We know Deshaun Watson and Matt Mahomes are better quarterbacks. But the, I feel kind of bad for Mitchell Trubisky because he didn't deserve to be treated like this by Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. You traded up to draft him. In hindsight, it's a very dumb move, especially since you look at the quarterbacks that were drafted after him. But at the time, it didn't seem completely insane. Because remember, Trubisky, by a lot of people's standards, was the best quarterback in the draft class. He was seen as the most pro-ready, coming from a pro-style system in North Carolina. And Mahomes was coming off an injury. Deshaun Watson was coming off an ACL. He had ACL injury history. Mahomes was very erratic with his throws at times, but talented. So it was very interesting to see the different comparisons between the the three quarterbacks at the time. We were very high on Trubisky. When he was getting drafted, because I was at William Penn at the time. That's when we first started the Logan Blackman show. We were talking about Trubisky that entire season at North Carolina because he was having a great year. He had a fantastic year at North Carolina. I'm saying year because of the only year he played. He didn't have multiple years of success in college. He had one good year. He had the least number of starts at a first-round quarterback at NFL history at that time. 13 starts was how many starts Trubisky had. Now, that's worked out before. Cam Newton didn't have a lot of starts coming into the NFL at a high-level college because obviously he went to Florida, Blend Junior College, and then Auburn. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Trubisky and Cam Newton are similar quarterbacks coming into the NFL. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
But the amount of starts didn't doesn't affect certain players. It it matters sometimes, like this year. We have Trey Lance with 17 starts, but that doesn't matter, or it matters more than Mac Jones with 19 starts. So it's all about what we want to take in for quarterbacks. Because more things to so certain quarterbacks matter for other quarterbacks. Like Deshaun Watson played against the best teams in college football. Won a natty. Was a Heisman finalist. But he was surrounded by great talent. Patrick Mahomes, playing in the Big 12, had really good statistics. Thought it was Maybe people thought it was a little bloated based on the offense they were running at Texas Tech. Not everybody really assumed that that would be a trendsetter for the rest of the NFL for years to come. And the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes looked to be a match made in heaven with their offense they're running. It was very erratic, made very poor decisions at times with Texas Tech, but they had a bad record. And then Mitch Trubisky was playing in the same conference as Deshaun Watson, put up great numbers, had North Carolina in a bowl season, which doesn't, it happens, but not at the level that what North Carolina was playing this year, or that year with Trubisky. Now North Carolina with Sam Howell, Carter, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, those guys carried North Carolina to even better things. And I expect Sam Howell to be the first quarterback taken in next year's draft. It's going to probably be him, or, or I say probably, it will be either him or Spencer Rattler. I think Keaton Slovis's draft stock kind of dipped a little bit this past season. He kind of struggled a little bit, looked really rusty, especially at the start of the shortened season for the Pac-12. But man, Trubisky wasn't that bad to get run out of town for Andy Dalton. He wasn't that bad. If we were going to go with Dalton, then keep Trubisky. And Mike Greenberg posted this on Twitter. It said, drafting Trubisky was a huge mistake. Giving up on him, the way the Bears have gone about doing it has also been a disaster. Both can be the same Be the same thing. Now, again, it wasn't that... So, again, at the time, Trubisky was looked at as possibly the best quarterback in the draft class. Not from my perspective. I had Deshaun Watson as the number one guy in the draft class. But I'm not saying I didn't love Mitchell Trubisky. I liked Trubisky coming out of North Carolina. I liked him at North Carolina. Again, we we talked about him all the time in the Logan Blackman show from William Penn. So I think it's nice. And someone responded with the tweet. It was like, yeah, looking at it, hindsight's fun. Because, yeah, you look at all the draft experts that said this. Everybody, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Matt Miller, Dane Burglar, Brugler, who I don't know who that is, and apologize to Dane Burglar, Burglar, Burugler, I don't know, I'm sorry, had Trubisky as the number one guy. My boy Daniel Jeremiah had Deshaun Watson as number one, but the problem is he had Deshaun Kaiser as number three and Mahomes at four. That's the problem here. That's the problem. <laughs> I didn't rate Deshaun Kaiser that highly because I listened to what Brian Kelly said. This dude went from a holder to a starter because Malik Zaire got hurt. And then now he's obviously now he's getting talked about as a possible first round draft pick. Brian Kelly literally said, dude's not ready to play in the NFL yet. And then he started all 16 games for the worst, the second ever 0-16 season in NFL history, and almost at certain points of the season looked like he was on pace to break Peyton Manning's interception record, rookie interception record. Obviously it didn't happen, and Deshaun Kaiser's bounced around multiple teams in the NFL. But man. Trubisky got kind of mistreated. I don't want to say mistreated because he's an NFL quarterback, but he he was 
overly hated in his time in Chicago. If the Bears, and this is 100%, I don't care, you can call this an opinion, whatever, I'm calling it fact. If the Bears kept Trubisky in, they're a better team than 8-8 eight and eight last year. Because in those, what, five games Nick Foles was a starter? They were atrocious. They were miserable. The worst offense I'd watched. It was like watching paint dry. It was the worst offense you could possibly watch. And this is why we brought Nick Foles in, because he had the connection with Matt Nagy. And then Matt Nagy benching Trubisky and then trying to cover it off with some phantom shoulder injury that nobody believed. Trying to throw him under the bus. I think now on Twitter, I don't know why this has been trending a few times on Twitter over the history of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's tenure in Chicago, but they need to be fired. They should have been fired last year. Like their indecisiveness about quarterbacks and going, oh, we're going to be aggressive and then going out and getting Andy Dalton is not really what I call being aggressive. Trading up one spot to draft Trubisky because the Browns, literally, this is 100% fact, okay? The Browns were having conversations, and you could say, oh, it's the Browns, so that's what we should expect, and they ended up drafting Deshaun Kaiser and traded back from the pick that was used to draft Deshaun Watts and a later draft Deshaun Kaiser. But the Browns were having conversations about, do we take Trubisky or Miles Garrett? And as we talked about a few shows ago, Miles Garrett is the longest-serving number one overall pick currently in the NFL that's on the same team. We went through that list a few, when was it, last week, two weeks ago? After, uh, who got who got traded? Who got traded from their team? Or got Eric Fisher, after he got cut from the Chiefs. So, in hindsight, it's fun to look at, like, oh, man, they should never have done that. It was weird that the Bears traded up one spot to get him. But it wasn't weird that, and it was also weird because they just signed Mike Glennon to a, what, four-year contract, three, four-year contract, and they seemed to really like Mike Glennon, and John Fox, even going into that draft, thought they would draft Jamal Adams. So everybody was kind of surprised, especially when Ryan Pace apparently told Patch Mahomes that he was their number one guy, and then drafting Trubisky, it was a surprise, but it wasn't like, oh my God, that was idiotic, why'd you do that? Now, Bears fans, to their credit, were on this thing from the jump. I remember watching him, what was it, at a Bulls game. Trubisky's first public, I guess, appearance in Chicago was at an either Bulls or Blackhawks game. And he got booed relentlessly. And then there was another time, that same offseason, I believe, and again, a Bulls or Blackhawks game, where it was around Halloween, and someone asked him, asked this little kid, who are you going to be for Halloween? And he said Mitchell Trubisky. And the crowd booed him. Like, expectations from Trubisky in Chicago were already bad. His time in Chicago is miserable. From the everybody going, oh my god, why did they draft him? Oh, they traded up to get him when they already had a quarterback? Oh, we hate Trubisky. Why did we draft him? Oh, man. He stay- oh, Matt Nagy hates him. It's such a weird, weird situation from the Bears- in Trubisky relationship. I'm intrigued to see what Trubisky says about the Bears after his career is done, if he does any interviews after his career is done, because of how many questions he's going to get about Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy. I'm sure he's tired of answering them. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't want to answer them anymore. So do you get what I'm saying about the draft situation of Trubisky, about how it wasn't a surprise that he got drafted first, it was more a surprise the Bears traded up one spot to get him? Because the 49ers played the game right. The 49ers were going to draft Solomon Thomas at number two regardless, but they were like, well, the Browns were contemplating taking him at number one anyways, so we're going to rece- we're going to pretend like we're receiving calls, which I guarantee they weren't. But that's how you play the game. You're trying to get draft picks from other teams, regardless if it's one pick back or not. That's what the um, 49ers did with the Buccaneers last year. All oh, the Vikings are probably... I'm, I'm going to say the Vikings because they were an offensive line needy team. The Vikings are thinking about trading up to, what, 13 to draft Tristan Wirfs. You should trade one spot to get up here. That's like making sure you get your pick. Because if you trade there, no one else can trade up to get him. You see this done all the time throughout NFL history. Some teams just ignore it, and it, it works out for them. Other times it doesn't work out for them, and another team just completely jumps them. So it's all about how you feel with the situation, how well you know the players. Or the, not the players, the the people running the other organization, how much you trust them. Because they can go, oh, we're getting calls about them, you trade up to get him, and then turns out no one was doing that. Like the Giants drafting Daniel Jones at six. There was nobody talking about getting Daniel Jones in the first round other than the New York Giants. And that's what Dave Gettleman used as his defense for drafting him was other teams were thinking about drafting him, which they weren't. But you hear things because they were like, oh, man, you better take him now. I bet the Jaguars planted that so they could get Josh Allen because the the Giants needed a guy like Josh Allen on their team. They obviously didn't draft him and drafted Daniel Jones. Not that Josh Allen, the Josh Allen on the Jaguars. But yeah. Oh, and I saw this tweet. This was kind of funny. This is Nick Friedel. He's a Chicago guy. <laughs> Signing Andy Dalton. Signing Dalton is the football equivalent to wanting to go younger and more athletic than signing Rondo and Wade in 2016. Yes, that is it. Right there. That Bulls team, what they hired Fred Hoiberg to get this athletic shooting team and then get Rondo and Dwayne Wade in the offseason. That's not what Nick, or not Nick Nurse, that's not what Fred Hoiberg wants to do. Fred Hoiberg wants to go fast-paced. He was, there are clips of him screaming at Jaron Grant for walking up the court because, to be honest, at that time, Jaron Grant was the Bulls' best point guard. Rondo's plus-minus was at, like, the bottom of the league or near the bottom of the league. This is what's going, I don't know what it is with Chicago sports and doing this stuff where they get their fans' hopes up for nothing, and then doing something like this. Now, I'm not, again, <laughs> we knew this was happening. We knew that Russell Wilson was not going to go to the Chicago Bears. For the same reason, we're going to state again, because the Bears had the 20th pick, couldn't guarantee the Seahawks a quarterback, Seahawks weren't shopping him, and Ryan Pace is their GM. The problem is, the Bears' problems are more internal than just Ryan Pace. They've got some very interesting things going on, even above Ryan Pace. And Ryan Pace needs... He should have been fired a while ago. He had a little saving grace for that one season where they traded for Khalil Mack, and the Raiders' pass rush has been non-existent, and that's putting it lightly, and the Bears have had one of the best defenses in the NFL. So you can have that as your saving grace. But like I said at the end of last show, or near the end of last show, the general manager's job 
is not only to build a team, their most important job is to get a franchise quarterback. If you don't do that, your job's in jeopardy. And whoever you draft, especially whoever you trade up to get, that's your job, essentially. So I am surprised, more than anything, that once Trubisky was gone, Ryan Pace is still there. If your quarterback doesn't work out, you're gone. Like Hugh Jackson wanted Deshaun Kaiser. The next year they draft Baker Mayfield, then he's fired. Or two years later, because then they got Freddie Kitchens, and that was that was fun. <laughs> the Freddie Kitchen experiment, Kitchens experiment. Or no, 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 yeah, Freddie Kitchens took over his hat, second half of Baker's rookie year. If you are linked with a quarterback and they don't work out, that's that's your job. That's your job security right there. Your quarterback is a GM's job security, a GM and head coach's job security. But ironically, in the Bears situation, the quarterback is gone, but the GM and coach are still there. Again, there's more stuff wrong with the Bears than just Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, even though those are the two figureheads of the situations going on in Chicago. There's more. The Bears are a freaking mess. On the offensive side of the ball especially. And they are wasting... A an elite defense led by Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. Like, you are wasting these guys. And we're signing Andy Dalton as our, our being aggressive quarterback? You have two bridge quarterbacks. So unless the Bears have some big plan going towards the NFL draft, which I don't know what their plan would be, because I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I get the Andy Dalton signing, just not in 2021. I get it for 2020 perspective, not 2021 perspective, when you already have Nick Foles on the roster. Now, to be fair, it's a one-year $10 million deal. But I don't have 10 million reasons why Andy Dalton should be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I have about two. He's... Bill late he used to be Bill Lazor's quarterback in Cincinnati. Okay, I have one reason why he should be the Bears quarterback next year. I guess I don't have more than one. I thought I could rustle off more than one answer for Andy Dalton and his appearance in Chicago, but I don't. I don't. And it surprises it's just weird. It's just a very weird situation. Let's just call it like it is. It's just weird. Should it be surprising that they didn't get Russell Wilson? No. And Trubisky is trending on Twitter. Ryan Pace is t- trending on Twitter. Chicago, this is what it says. Chicago, Chicago Bears fans dissect the decisions of general manager Ryan Pace as reports come of a one-year deal worth $10 million worth vet- with veteran quarterback Andy Dalton. 14, almost 15,000 tweets, almost 11,000 tweets about Trubisky. Let's click Trubisky. Let's just see... What we can get about Mitchell Trubisky. Okay, yeah. Here we go. This is the same thing. Signed Mike Glennon, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and Andy Dalton. Yeah. (laughs) Man, Allen Robinson's QBs have been Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, now Andy Dalton. And he won it out of Chicago. He was not a fan of Trubisky. (laughs) And then here we go. The Bears quarterback offseason. Free from Trubisky, pursue Watson, Texans won't budge, think about Dak, signs with Dallas, consider Wentz, goes to Indy, 
Try to throw everything for Russell Wilson. Doesn't work. Throw their hands in the air. Settle for Andy Dalton. That's pretty much what it was. I don't really think they were as aggressive as what the media made it out to be. I don't think the Bears were really that aggressive at all. Because it's the Bears. And they were aggressive. I'm surprised they didn't go after someone like a Mariota or Sam Darnold. Who are... Mariota coming off a backup job with the Oakland or Las Vegas Raiders. Sam Darnold struggling in the Jets. But they have potential. Andy Dalton is what he is. People think Marcus Mariota can become a Ryan Tannehill where he's a backup for a year and then comes in and is what we expected of him when he drafted him. Sam Darnold has mounds of potential. Lord knows if it's still in there, but he has potential. At least we think he has potential. But nope. We go out and sign Andy Dalton. And even Bears fans are like, we want we would take Jameis Winston, to be 100% honest. But that didn't happen either, as he predictably signed another extension with the New Orleans Saints. Now he's going to be back as their starting quarterback. So, yeah, not very surprising with that. We said that for from the jump, pretty much. I think it was pretty obvious that Jameis Winston was going to go back to the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton wanted him back. Drew Brees... From what we could tell, told Jameis Winston this is his show now. When during his last game as the Saints quarterback with against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jason Taysom Hill signed a big contract, all avoidable, but he's going to be rotating in at quarterback, playing other positions. So Jameis will be the starter. I don't think there's actually going to be a quarterback battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is going to play quarterback, but he's not going to start. He's not going to take the most snaps up at quarterback. He'll take up a lot of snaps all over the field, but that'll be Jameis Winston's job. So Jameis Winston has now Mike Evans, Alvin Kamara, a good offensive line, and Sean Payton. This is perfect for him. At least we would assume. He had an offensive-minded coach down in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. That didn't work out because he kept throwing interceptions. And arguably, had a more talented as overall receiving core with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now, in New Orleans, they just have Mike Evans, but that's usually good enough for most teams. And they're pursuing uh, Richard Sherman, I heard. So that'll be interesting. He ends up signing with the New Orleans Saints. So that'll be fun. That'll be very fun. But I hope for Jameis' sake, he has the potential of what we saw down in Florida State and the flashes of, if you take away the 30 interceptions, you look at Jameis' season and lower it to like, I don't know, even 15 or 20 interceptions. You're like, that's a pretty good season. That's a Brett Favre season right there. But it didn't work out like that. Hopefully he turns it around in New Orleans. And one team that has been making moves like freaking crazy this offseason is the, the New England Patriots have been spending money like they got it to burn. They've got money coming out of their ass which was expected. They had the most cap space going into this offseason. So they're making moves. They got Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Davon Gajo, Gachow, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew Judon, Jalen Mills, and Jonu Smith, and then today, Hunter Henry. So they've gone after the positions that they've recently failed at drafting and have improved. Now they got lost Joe Tooney to the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a good move for the Chiefs. Uh, Corey Lindsey, the center for the Green Bay Packers, went to the LA Chargers, which is a good move for them as well. See if Orlando Brown goes anywhere. I know he's wanted to trade out of, uh, out of Baltimore, become a left tackle. They got Trent Brown. Uh, speaking of left tackles, they traded away Isaiah uh, um, 
Not not Isaiah. Isaiah Cannon is a basketball player. Cannon, whatever, to the Texans, the right tackle. So the Patriots are slowly starting to turn some heads again. So I don't know if they're going into this offseason. Now, if you look at the moves, they obviously signed Cam Newton back to a one-year deal. 14 mil, one year, which kind of surprising, but not really because it was either going to be New England or Washington for Cam Newton's fits. I think we all knew this was going to happen, either Washington or New England. I mean, he played the system for a year. Weapons were hurt. He wasn't very healthy post-COVID. He wasn't very good. Some would say very bad or sucked. So hopefully for Cam's sake, he's more normal than what he has been in his time in New England. And they're getting weapons for him. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco. They're all right wide receivers. They're all right. Nothing special. Kenny Galladay's still out there. He's going to be getting a big contract. Apparently, he's either going to the Giants or the Miami Dolphins. So time will tell where he goes on with those two teams. Or if he goes to the Baltimore Ravens, who are a needy quarterback or a wide receiver and needy team. They got Kevin Zeitler from the New York Giants. So that was a big time move for the Baltimore Ravens. There's been some nice little moves going around the NFL. The Bills signed Emmanuel Sanders, got Maddie Hack. Punter from Miami Dolphins, a Des Moines kid, West Des Moines Val- or Dowling kid. Come and play in Buffalo. I can dig that. I'm sad they lost Corey Bajorquez, but you know what? Brought a Des Moines kid to Buffalo. So you know what? I'll accept it. He's a good punter. I think he I don't think he's as good as Bajorquez, but you know what? We'll see how it works out. I really liked Bajorquez in his time in Buffalo. We'll see how he does in Buffalo now. So expectations around the league, especially with the Patriots being quote unquote back. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be a very fun season. I don't think the Patriots would be like insanely better than what they were last year. They were 7 and 9 last year. 9 and 7 or wait, no, they're doing the what do they got? They got the the 17th game now. So 9 and 8 is what I think the Patriots will probably be. It, well, I guess I don't know if that's actually happening or not. I should have double checked that, but if it's happening, the Patriots probably go around 9 and 8. If Cam Newton's are starting. Now, I don't know what they're going to do in the draft, much, much like the Bears. I posted a poll on Twitter. I haven't checked it in a while about which team will trade up for a quarterback. It's got 12 votes on it right now. 58.3% say the San Francisco 49ers are more likely to trade up than the New England Patriots. And I also posted one on Instagram, so we'll see how that one's doing. The Instagram poll is at 61% 49ers, 39%. New England Patriots. So very similar, very similar polls. So people think the San Francisco 49ers are more likely to trade up, and I think that makes sense. The Patriots don't really have a rich history of trading up in the draft, especially for quarterbacks after not selecting a first-round quarterback since Drew Bloodsoe. So I'm not really surprised that people don't think they'll trade up for a quarterback, but you never know. You never know. And you don't know which quarterback they want to get. Because obviously you have Cam Newton there now. Again, the antithesis of Tom Brady, as we called him last offseason. So do you go after a quarterback like Justin Fields, who would be a similar style of quarterback to Cam Newton? He went to Cam Newton camps. He has a video of him with Cam Newton. A little smaller version of Cam Newton. Coach him up a little bit, see what the Patriots want to do, if they want to keep that style of offense going. Or do you want to go back to the more Tom Brady things that got you all these Super Bowls and get a Mac Jones? You don't know. We don't really know. So who do they want to trade up for? I don't know. The San Francisco 49ers, I would love to see them get Justin Fields. 
I think that'd be awesome for them. Justin Fields, I think, will get selected by one of these two teams. That's what my gut tells me right now. If I had to place money on it, I guess I should say. I think it just makes the most most sense because, obviously, it just depends on what the Patriots want to do with their offense moving forward. Do they want to stick with this Cam Newton-esque style of offense and get a younger guy that's similar to that of Cam Newton? Or do you want to get a guy like Mac Jones that's a similar style quarterback to Tom Brady? But then you could also argue they have that in Jarrett Stidham. Why would they draft another guy like that who a lot of people are very uneasy about Mac Jones? Because if you're talking about this a few years ago, he's the guaranteed number one overall pick based off the season he had in college. But the difference between like him and Joe Burrow, Burrow's a thousand times more mobile than Mac Jones. Mac Jones got very fast feet and can make moves up and down the pocket, but he's not going to beat you on the ground. Joe Burrow had the ability to make plays on the ground. Mac Jones, every time he slides, looks like he's going to hurt himself. Looks like he's going to blow out his knee attempting to slide. I, I don't know what it goes. I don't know if he's ever been taught how to slide. It just looks painful every time he hits the ground. Like, Matt Jones led the nation in passing yards this year with only Devontae Smith, pretty much. Jalen Waddle's out since week five. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs weren't even there, obviously, because they went to the NFL the year before. Tua was a top five pick. What makes him a lot more different than Mac Jones? Like, Tua had a lot more weapons than Mac Jones did, and Mac Jones had a better season than Tua and doesn't have the injury history. So this is the question we're going to get. What do we value this year as opposed to last year? I know Twitter's going to uproar when, if and when, probably when, Matt Jones is selected with a top 10 pick. I know Twitter's going to freaking explode about that. But dude balled out. You can't. Don't hate the player. Matt Jones did what he did to get to where he is right now. And looks like he could be a top top at least easily a top fifteen pick, top ten. I, I think that's very likely. I know I was very dead set on it being a top ten pick last time, but again, like I changed it last week or earlier this week, I guess. Probably gonna fall somewhere in that eight to fifteen range. I'd be pretty surprised if he went anywhere before Carolina. And I'd be pretty surprised if he fell past New England. I think those are the two most likely places for Mac Jones, Carolina. In New England. Because obviously Carolina worked with him in the Senior Bowl. New England's got the Bill Belichick connection. Similar style of quarterback to Tom Brady. Same, pretty much the exact same draft profile. That's not saying Mac Jones is to or will become Tom Brady. But the draft profiles are eerily similar to one another. You go look back at Tom Brady's draft profile and see Mac Jones. They're pretty much the same. And Mac Jones' work ethic has gotten him up this far. In the draft boards, which again could make some people upset, but he makes some very good throws. He's not the most mobile quarterback of all time. He's not the most, he's also not the most immobile quarterback of all time. He's got fast feet, again, can make plays in the pocket. When you can make plays with your arm, you don't really need to make plays. You can escape pass rushes by stepping up in the pocket, which is a very good gift to have. Not a lot of quarterbacks have that. So again, time will tell on whether Mac Jones becomes a great quarterback. Now, a lot of people don't like it because he's not the direction the NFL is going anymore. Like, again, we're not really in the era of the standstill statue quarterbacks. We're in the era of Josh Allen, 
Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, even Aaron Rodgers. We're in the era of mobile. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. We're in the era of the mobile quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that can move a lot. That can make plays on the ground like all those quarterbacks can. They're not statues like Brady, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, ben, late, late career Ben Roethlisberger. We want excitement in the NFL now. That was once feared in the NFL was having exciting players at quarterback. We had this cookie cutter, this just cookie cutter sheet of what a quarterback should be in the NFL, and that's just not a thing anymore. Back then we were looking for Dan Reno's, Peyton Manning's. Now we're looking for the next Russell Wilson. That's what Russ, like Kyler Murray getting drafted number one overall. That wouldn't have happened if you're like 10 years ago. Now we're getting exciting at the quarterback position. Josh Allen, Lamar, Kyler, Russell. Mac Jones just isn't that. He's not the mo- he's not those guys. But he's also not Brady or Marino in regards to mobility. He's somewhere in the middle of those two. I wouldn't say he's closer to one or the other. He's just meh. He's not slow and he's not an athlete. He's just in the middle of those two. He's average, I guess, for mobility. But you look at the quarterbacks last year. All of them were probably closer to the athlete. Not probably. They're all closer to the athlete part than the slow part of the NFL. Like if I go to the ESPN just to look at, just so I can have a list of the teams in the NFL, and we'll see which ones are the most successful and which ones are the people we're looking for in the NFL. So we got Josh Allen to uh, Cam Newton. We're going to keep them on the same teams they're on right now. So Sam Darnold, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Baker is even pretty mobile. Ben used to be, not so much anymore. Deshaun, Carson Wentz, we'll say Trevor Lawrence. He's mobile. Ryan Tannehill's an underrated athlete. Dude played wide receiver at Texas A&M. And Drew Locke, Patrick Mahomes. Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, Drew, Tom Brady, Jameis, Taysom Hill, if you want to throw him in there. Teddy Bridgewater can move a little bit. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, and then <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, forgot about him, signing with the Washington football team. He can move decently well. Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. So if you look at all the teams in the NFL, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, Seahawks, Cardinals, Panthers, Packers, Washington football team, I guess, Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys. So what? That's like five teams I didn't say in regards to mobile quarterbacks. You would have been able to do the reverse thing when like Michael Vick was getting drafted out of who had mobile quarterbacks and who didn't. You probably had what? Michael Vick, Steve McNair. Is that it? I know it's probably it. Those two quarterbacks. Everybody else was that cookie cutter pocket passer thing. That's not a thing anymore. So that's why Mac Jones might get looked down upon by the average viewer. But it shouldn't rule out it shouldn't that shouldn't be the nailed on precedent, I guess I should say about Mac Jones. He can play. So just don't be shocked and don't be mad 
if and when he is drafted by the Carolina Panthers or somebody in the top 10. Because he can play. He can play. And we've talked about, I've tried to defend Mac Jones a few times on the show. Now, I'm not saying he's better than all these other quarterbacks in this draft class, like a Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or Trevor, but he can play. I'm not June Jones in that respect, where I think Trevor Lawrence is the third best quarterback in the draft and Mac Jones number one. I don't think that. But I also don't think there's a mountain between, say, Jones and Lance. I think for potential there is, which is also what could hurt Mac Jones, because people might not think Mac Jones' ceiling's very high. Like Trey Lance, again, I've said this about a thousand times, he has the highest ceiling in this draft class. And if he can go to the Falcons, which I think would be awesome to watch Trey Lance there, it'd be perfect. Even with the Panthers, I think it would be perfect for him. So time will tell. Time will tell. If I had to do comparisons for all of these guys, I'd say, like, they're ceiling, I guess. Trey Lance would obviously be Josh Allen or a Steve McNair, someone like that. Smaller school kind of guy, great athlete, very high ceiling. Not a lot to what, not really what, no, we don't really know what to expect. He could be very bad, but he also could be the best quarterback in this draft class. Josh Allen went in on potential. Coming from Wyoming, got drafted by the Bills, second in the MVP voting, second team all pro. Steve McNair to my knowledge, now this could be wrong. I could be very wrong about this. I know he was a Heisman finalist. Like, not the FCS Heisman, the Heisman Trophy finalist. But I don't know if he's the first. He's at least the latest FCS player to be in the Heisman race. I don't know if he was the first one. I'm pretty confident he was the first one. Trey Lance is the first freshman, I believe, to win the Walter Payton and Jerry Rice Awards, which is basically... The best player in the FCS. The other one's the freshman in the FCS. Best freshman in the FCS. But that's Trey Lance's stuff. And Steve McNair won an MVP. He got to a Super Bowl. So I don't think that's a very bad comparison for Trey Lance at all. Steve McNair, I think, gets a little underrated throughout the lens of a lot of people out there. I think Steve McNair was an awesome quarterback. And the NFL's body just gave up on him. And when he saw him in Baltimore, it was not the same quarterback we saw with the Titans. That was running and making plays all over the field. If I'm looking at a Zach Wilson, obviously people are going to compare him to Mahomes and Rodgers because of the quick, twitchy throwing motion. But he's like a Kyler Murray type player. He's a little, he's bigger than Kyler Murray, at least height-wise. I still don't believe he's 6'3", but I think he's taller than Kyler Murray. Similar style of quarterback to Kyler Murray. Very strong arm, very underrated arm. Kyler Murray's arm is ridiculously strong, and Zach Wilson can make plays with his feet. He doesn't make as much plays as Kyler Murray, but he's a really good athlete. He can make plays all over the field, and we've seen what Kyler Murray can do with Cliff Kingsbury. Imagine what he could do with an actual head coach. <laughs> Imagine what he could do with an, a competent head coach. That'd be the better way to put that. And then who's next? So I would say, again, Trey Lance, Josh Allen, Steve McNair, somewhere around there. Zach Wilson, Kyler Murray. And then, who else do we got? I'm missing people. Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson. I think that's a very fair comparison. Who Deshaun Watson, when he got drafted, he got drafted 12th. He was the third quarterback taken in this draft class. Justin Fields gets overanalyzed at times. You see, you see this a lot with players from these bigger schools, and especially what hurts him. It's the same thing that hurt Derek Carr when he got drafted. But Derek Carr's thing was more blood-related than 
other quarterbacks that go into the same school related. So Justin Fields is going to have to deal with what other Ohio State quarterbacks have been good in the NFL. That's the big issue with him. Troy Day, Troy Smith, obviously Heisman winner, didn't do a lot in the NFL. Dwayne Haskins was a top 15 pick. That didn't work out. So he's going to get those questions all the freaking time. But then I raise you, well, why would you draft Joe Burrow? Why would you draft Justin Herbert? Because you look at the Oregon LSU quarterbacks in recent memory, they haven't worked out either. Jamarcus Russell, the biggest bust or second biggest bust in NFL history. And we're going to go, oh, well, we can't look at Justin Fields because Dwayne Haskins and Troy Smith. That's unfair to Joe. They're not the same players. Justin Fields is 6'3", about 230, where Dwayne Haskins was a statue and had character issues. Mature, more mature, I shouldn't say character, maturity issues. Justin Fields doesn't have that. Justin Fields is a very mild-mannered quarterback that just wants to win. He's a great leader and will do anything for his team to win, which is why I love him so much. He's a very accurate passer as well. I don't care about the first read thing. That could get coached out. Obviously, that stuff that we didn't think could get coached out a few years ago, obviously going to get coached out because look at what Josh Allen's doing in the NFL. I think Deshaun Watson was overanalyzed by that same regard as well. Of He's played at a big school, and comparatively, the ACC is a lot worse than the Big Ten. Well, you don't hear that a lot about Trevor Lawrence because we have touted him as the number one overall pick since he won the national championship against Alabama and absolutely embarrassed Nick Saban and Alabama's defense that night. He's been the number one pick since then. We've known that forever. But Deshaun Watson... Overanalyzed a little bit coming out of college. Won a lot. Was a Heisman finalist. Same thing with Justin Fields. I think they're very similar. It's about the same size, too. Very similar in that. Uh, Then we look at Mac Jones. I saw people comparing him to, like, Kirk Cousins at times. Which I think is fair. And Kirk Cousins is a similar quarterback that gets a lot of hate where he really doesn't deserve that hate that he gets placed on his shoulders for being a quote-unquote bad quarterback. That doesn't make any... I hate how much hate Kirk Cousins gets on a daily basis. It's not necessary at all. The, him and Derek Carr are the two most overly hated quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're just good quarterbacks. They're not bad quarterbacks by any stretch. I remember sitting and listening to people say Kirk Cousins was by far the worst quarterback in the NFL. That's never been the case. That's overreactionary at its finest, and that's where it gets annoying with fans and the NFL that don't really, you know, watch but just read headlines, grab ha- headlines. So I think someone like a Kirk Cousins is fair for Mac Jones, where he's getting overly he's getting hated coming into the NFL because he's not entirely mobile. He's not the greatest athlete. He played with great weapons around. He's only. He's only boosted by great talent around him, as Kirk Cousins has Adam Thielen, has Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson now, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. Similar situation. But Kirk's not the reason the Vikings are not a good team. That should just end now. That's a narrative that's kind of getting... It's, kind, it's not kind of... It is getting annoying about how the Vikings would be so much better with Kirk Cousins. Well, hey, if you had no off the line and a terrible defense, I would love to see you work. Weapons can only get you so far, as we saw with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but I'm not saying that at all. But he gets a little overhated. I think that's the same thing with Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones could be a very good quarterback. Would I draft him on my team? Would I 
want Mac Jones. If the Bills didn't have a quarterback, would I want Mac Jones? No. If I was drafting quarterback, I'd take Trey Lance just because because I don't I'm I'm assuming the Bills didn't have the number one overall pick if Josh Allen wasn't there. So if Tyrod Taylor was a stole the quarterback, I'd take Trey Lance. Because I like the ceiling there, which is the same reason they bought draft drafted Josh Allen in the first place. And then Trevor Lawrence is an interesting one. I saw, I think it was what Colin Coward comparing him to John Elway. So that's his ceiling, is John Elway, which is very high regard, as obviously John Elway is widely considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and a Hall of Fame quarterback that won two Super Bowls. That's a very, 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 very high ceiling. (laughs) That's very, very high. And if I was comparing him to anybody, like, probably he's a good mixture of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. It's a very nice mixture. He's very similar to Justin Herbert. Very big dudes, cannon arms, can move. Very similar to that of Justin Herbert. But I think Justin Herbert will be a very good quarterback. I'm not going to say his ceiling is rookie of the year. Jeez. Uh, he's very hard to put a label on right now. He's the hardest one because there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are like Trevor Lawrence coming out of college. So probably John El- I mean, I don't want to say John Elway. That's a little too much to put on a rookie quarterback that's never played a snap in the NFL. Let's just go with Justin Herbert, because I think Justin Herbert will obviously be a very, very good quarterback in the NFL. Lawrence can do the exact same things as Trev- Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, so I think that's a really, I think that's fair. I would love to see him and Herbert excel at the same time. I think that'd be a very, very cool development thing. I, I This is more development for her. I shouldn't compare him to Herbert. That's a, it's hard. It's, I, you shouldn't compare people to rookies, <laughs> but I think... I shouldn't say this is their ceiling. I'm comparing them to players, okay? I'm not saying this is what they are. Okay, if we're going by comparisons, he's very he's Justin Herbert's for Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson's Kyler Murray. Trey Lance is Josh Allen. Uh, Justin Fields is Sean Watson. And then Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. That would be my comparisons at this point in time. For quarterbacks that are still playing in the NFL. I don't want to compare them to legends because that's a little too much to throw in rookie quarterbacks. I've never played a single snap in the NFL. That's what I would compare. I think Trey Lance doesn't have, he's more mobile than Josh. He doesn't have as strong of arm as Josh, but has a very good arm. Is more accurate than Josh. But I think the small school thing is very big when you're looking at the Trey Lance, Josh Allen comparisons. And I'm excited. I'm very excited to see where all these guys go. Because I've, it's going to be fun. I have a good idea of four teams that are going to draft quarterbacks. I don't know who number five is. I'm stuck between San Fran, New England, somewhat Washington, and Chicago. Very stuck between those teams on who will end up drafting a quarterback this year. It's very exciting. Very exciting. I just saw an update today that said the Carolina Panthers are expected to explore an aggressive trade in the top three picks for a QB if unable to land Deshaun Watson. So look out for that. Look out for the Carolina Panthers. Trading up into the top three to, one would assume, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Joe Brady was at Trey Lance's Pro Day, which I guess we shouldn't take a lot from because there was a lot of GMs at the Pro Day or coaches at the Pro Day. So, as you'll get with most quarterback Pro Days, you want to do your due diligence at all the quarterbacks available. So, your office coordinator and Joe Brady is obviously going to be at a Pro Day with one of the top quarterbacks in this draft class. So, time will tell. That's enough talk about the NFL draft. I want to talk about this. I did. 
part of me wanted to talk about this at the start, but I didn't. I was like, oh, the Bears thing's too much to talk about. I got to talk about that first. Big, big, big news. If you don't care about soccer, I don't care if you shut off the show right now. But if you want to hear what I have to say about this, it'll be awesome. Jonas Musa has officially declared his, his allegiance to the United States of America's men's national. Let's get a round of applause for Musa. You can't spell Musa without USA. That is 100% right. This is awesome. I'll need to redo my U.S. World Cup thing because I did it solely on the fact that I, I had Musa as like a maybe because I didn't know if he... My gut feeling was that he's going to declare for England. They England just lost their one of their most talented youngsters to Germany. So I was like, oh, well, crap. That means he's probably going to go to England. But you know what? The U.S. is starting to turn a foot here because in the past, players like Serginho Dest and Jonas Musa would have declared for the Netherlands or England with Serginho Dest's case. Like with these guys, Serginho Dest was playing at Ajax. He was playing in the Netherlands. He was playing with other Dutch internationals. And he chose he stuck with the US. Jonas Musa was a kid in Spain, played in the English under eight all the underage groups for England. And I think I'm I know he got a cap for the US, but I'm supposed to have 100 percent faith he goes to the US. I didn't. I thought he would go to England, but that's with the direction the US is going. We saw an update the other day. That said, one of the players Juventus wants to build around and just signed into a permanent deal is Weston McKinney. So at this point in time, it looked as if, like if we're talking about last year, Christian Pulisic was the best player in the United States. I think you can make a strong claim based off this past season that Weston McKinney has overtaken him as the best player for the United States of America. Now, most important I don't know. I think Christian Pulisic might be the most important. I still think he should be the captain for the 2022 World Cup. But Weston McKinney might be the best player for the United States right now, which is crazy to think about. There was uh, Those two were the top two. We knew that ever since they made their first team debuts. Those two, Tyler Adams, those were the best that we had. We all knew that. But Weston McKinney and how he's played for Juventus and his importance to Juventus if the reports are true that they really want to build around Weston McKinney, among other players, I'm not saying they're just building around Weston McKinney, that's awesome. I think Pulisic is having a hard time at Chelsea right now. I don't know what the situation is with him and Thomas Tuchel. I, Thomas Tuchel apparently said Pulisic's value comes off the bench is very, very good. He brings a lot of pizzazz, I guess. I added that word, and I don't think Tuchel said that. But he brings a lot off the bench. In those last 30 minutes, he can bring on a lot of energy, which is good. But for fans of the United States men's national team who love Christian Pulisic, you don't want to see him play 30 minutes. For the face of a country, you want him starting week in and week out, which is what it looked like he was going to do going into this season. He got the freaking number 10 jersey for Chelsea. And he's barely playing. So I hope there's a move away. Hopefully, it's not to Liverpool or Arsenal, or the teams he's linked with like that. I would, I, or Bayern Munich. I don't, he'd be doing the same situation at Bayern Munich. They got Serge Gnabry and uh, Leroy Sané already there. What's the situation going to be with him going over there? That's not going to be a change. It's going to be a change of scenery, but you're going to get thrown back into the exact same situation that you literally just left in Chelsea. 
Going to Manchester United would be awesome, but you'd be forced to play on the right wing. I know he's more natural left winger. Or you can play him as a midfielder, which is with the position he's going to play with the United States. Because obviously he's a left winger by trade. But for the United States and Greg Berhalter, you've seen this throughout the time Berhalter has been the manager of the U.S., he wants Pulisic to be around the ball at all times. He wants a midfield three of Adams, McKinney, and Pulisic. I know Pulisic's not a natural number eight. He's more of a playing in the number eight position, but as a number 10. So it's like a, I don't know, it's like a 4-2-3-1, a but Pulisic's not necessarily at the tip, right behind the striker. He's kind of just roaming around the middle of the field. McKinney's playing that box-to-box role. Tyler Adams is the destroyer, or the side-to-side defender that can cover everywhere. He makes up for Pulisic's lack of, air quotes, lack of defending. Because Pulisic's going to attack. That's the main goal of Christian Pulisic. He's the mo- He's been the face of the United States men's national team for the last, what, two, three years ever since they let missed the World Cup? Four years, maybe? So this is among European players for the United States. It was on ESPN. Zach Steffen. Like, let's just go through this starting lineup and talk about each position and what their likelihood is at starting in 2022. So Zach Steffen's guaranteed to start. He's the best goal the United States have. It's not even a competition. It's a competition to see who's his backup in the third string, which Matt Turner started to get a little buzz around that stuff. He made his first cap a few months ago, if I remember right. And then you got Sean Johnson, who's a vet playing the MLS. He's got experience with the United States men's national team. Ethan Horvath, he probably needs a change of scenery at Club Bruges. Bill Hamid has got a lot of experience with D.C. United. Him and Sean Johnson came up around the same time. So those two have been competing for U.S. caps a lot. Brad Guzan still, I guess, kicking around. So the backup spot's up for grabs. Zach Steffen's starting. Right back, left back, unchallenged at the moment. Dest, Anthony Robinson, those are the two starters. You could you could argue about Reggie Cannon being in there. Brian Reynolds, the right back that just moved to Roma a few months ago. Those two could be in the arguments for right back, but that would just mean De- Dest is a lot to start. Robinson is probably a 90% chance to start because there is that chance Burhalter wants to play Serginio Dest at left back because he has that versatility. Played a lot of left back while playing for Ajax when Tagliafico was out. Played a lot of left back, so he can play both, but Robinson and Dest, one would fully assume that those two will be the starters moving forward. Then Chris Richards, I think he has a very good chance to start, especially with uh, Aaron Long's inconsistencies, even though... Burhalter loves himself some Aaron Long. He's been the captain. He's the first captain under Burhalter. Makes a lot of sense. I like Aaron Long, but his inconsistencies in the MLS, his lack of getting overseas, which is what he wanted to do. It seemed like he was linked with West Ham quite a bit. Walker Zimmerman's got a chance in there. John Brooks, I, this is all players under 26. So John Brooks is over 26, or at 26, I should say. He's going to start at left center back. It's just a competition for... Who starts at the other center back between Richards, Long, Zimmerman, Matt Miazga's on here, and Mark McKenzie at Genk? Those are the five that are competing for three more spots on the plane to Qatar. Because, again, Brooks is starting. Richards playing at Hoff, and I'm playing pretty well right now. And then the other three that I've mentioned there as well. So, time will tell him that the only lock at center back is John Brooks. Okay, he's not on here because he's. I think he's at 26 or 27 years old. Midfield, they haven't even a midfield diamond. Um, 
not a diamond. Midfield t defensive two with McKinney and Adams. Yeah. And Pulisic playing as the number 10. Yeah. It's the formation Burhalter runs is a 4-3-3. So whether you want to shift it in that aspect of playing Pulisic as an out-and-out -out number 10, that's fine. He doesn't play. It's more of, again, it's a shifted midfield three to where McKinney kind of plays back. Tyler Adams covers for Pulisic on that left side, and Pulisic's free to do whatever he wants pretty much in the middle of the field. So if you want to throw him in a midfield two and one like that, go ahead. It's it's a midfield three. It's just a midfield three. And then the wings, Giovanni Reyna playing on the left wing, Jonas Musa playing on the right wing. Yeah, probably right. Giovanni Reyna's played right wing for the United States ever since he got his first call up. He's played right wing, what, the two times he's been called up? And he's been playing a lot of left wing for Borussia Dortmund as Jane Sancho plays on the right wing, or they just flip-flop. Reyna's going to start on the wings. I know he's more of a natural number 10 or number 8, whichever you want to view him as, but he'll play on the wings for the United States as he's done for Borussia Dortmund as well. So he's locked to start. Musa, he's committed. One would assume he's going to be a locked to start. And then the striker position is probably the most contested spot because no one knows who the striker spot is. If we're going off form, Josh Sargent's clear of everybody. He's played very well for Werder Bremen recently. But Josie Altador's still around. Gray Berhalter really likes Jassy Zardes. Matthew Hoppy's still there. Uh, he hasn't really done a lot recently, but you know he's the first American player to score a hat trick in the Bundesliga, so he's going to get talked about. Am I forgetting anybody from the United States as a striker? I don't know, but those are the main guys. I would say I would think that Zardes and Sargent are locks. I don't know with Altador's injury history if Berhalter trusts him. Jordan Morris, I thought, would have been a lock to go to Qatar as well, but he just had another knee injury at Swansea, so hopefully he comes back speed with a speedy recovery. But another injury, another ACL injury, so I don't. That's looking kind of unlikely. I think uh, Sebastian Legette has a very good chance to start or not start, but go to the go to Qatar. Berhalter really seems to like him. His versatility is very big. He's played every position in the midfield. Has even played striker, and he obviously has played in the wings as well. He's played everything. I think Burhalter really likes that from a player. And then he got Brendan Aronson for RB Leipzig. He's been playing pretty or RB Salzburg, I should say. He's been playing pretty well ever since coming over to Salzburg. Oh, Daryl DK has been playing out of his mind for Barnsley right now in the uh, the English Championship. He's wearing the number 10 jersey. He'll be talked about going to Qatar as well. If he keeps up his form, Orlando City have been fighting off bids for DK ever since he's been over in Barnsley. Whether it be at championship sides or, I've heard, I could be wrong about this, some Premier League sides. So, well, DK could be in this. Ekinola, he took a Canadian call up a few months ago, so we'll see what his, his future holds for the striker position and whether he goes to Canada or not. So, yeah, it's exciting. Then we got uh, others. Paul Ariola could be mentioned in there as well. Jackson Ewell, the number six from... San Jose Earthquakes, Tim Ream, I think will go to Qatar. I don't think he'll play a single minute, but he'll go. Probably a little bit extra experience, leadership to the back. Again, don't think he'll play at all, unless Robinson gets hurt and Burhalter doesn't want to play Cannon or Reynolds at right back and Dest at left back. Uh, we already mentioned the center backs. Johnny Cordosa has been mentioned or has been getting featured a little bit. Kellen Acosta seems to have found his form a little bit for the United States, getting back into the fray of things, which is really good to see because he was a 
very exciting player when he was playing for FC Dallas. Ever since going to Colorado, he's been a little sporadic, but he started to get call-ups again for the United States, which is always good to see. Tim Weah, didn't even mention him. He'll be mentioned up in the World Cup squad as well, especially if Jordan Morris isn't healthy. That frees up a spot to open up to him. And when Leonis Musa being in there, I don't know, there's just a lot of competition, which is very, very exciting for the United States men's national team because the view of the national team over the years has changed. They missed the World Cup in 2018, and right now the U.S.'s morale and the view of the United States men's national team from an international standpoint has never been higher. These are well-respected players playing at very big clubs like Pulisic at Chelsea, McKinney at Juventus, Adams at RB Leipzig, Moose at Valencia, Reina at Dortmund, Sargent at Werder Bremen, Dest at Barcelona, Richards at Bayern Munich on loan at Hoffenheim, Rich, Ro- Anthony Robinson at Fulham, Zach Steffen at Manchester City. Like These are players that are playing for these teams. I know Zach Steffen's not the number one guy, but he does get minutes playing for Manchester City, regardless if that's in cups or spells in the Premier League. He's still getting minutes. And he's clear anyways. He's probably got the least amount to worry about from his starting spot. Pulisic, McKenney, and Adams, I think those are the top four that don't need to worry. And I guess you could throw Reina. Those five, and Dest, and Brooks. So seven. There's seven players that don't need to worry about their starting spot in the 2022 World Cup. But man, it's exciting. Growing up and watching the likes of Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan dominate while they had players around like Ricardo Clark, Robbie Finley, Michael Bradley, <laughs> Jonathan Bornstein, Clarence Goodson, what other players, guys? Steve Birnbaum. Like these types of players. You didn't see players of this stature playing at these big of clubs. They were playing for Chivas USA, which isn't even a team anymore. They're playing for DC United, which you still get a few players that come in from the MLS, but they're not the main guys anymore. Like Robbie Finley wasn't doing anything. Chivas guy as well. Or Real Salt Lake guy, I should say. Ricardo Clark played forever at Houston Dynamo. Didn't do anything. Uh, Ching. uh, What's his name? Brian Ching? I can't remember his name. Used to be a striker for Houston Dynamo. I can't remember his name. Another strike. Chris Wondolowski. All-time leading goal scorer in the MLS. Sucked on the U.S. stage. Never understood why. Go watch his miss in the 2014 World Cup against Belgium. That was supposed to be Landon Donovan's spot. But him and Klinsman were having some sort of beef then. And then you have Julian Green, who I kind of forgot about. But you didn't have other players that were viewed in such a high regard for the U.S. back then. Where you just had Dempsey and Donovan, who were the only two people that everybody... Or Tim Howard, too. Where everybody's like, those are... We respect those players. Tim Howard played forever for Everton. Clint Dempsey at one time was viewed as a top five player in the Premier League while playing for Fulham. Didn't work out at Tottenham, but at Fulham he was balling out. Landon Donovan played forever with the LA Galaxy. He made some stints in Europe with Everton, Bayer Leverkusen. I even think Bayern Munich for a tiny bit. Yeah, but you didn't have these guys. Starting weekend out for Chelsea, Juventus, RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, Barcelona, Valencia. These are big clubs. And it just makes me more excited, more and more excited for the 2022 World Cup. Even though, even though it's in Qatar, and even though it's a Winter World Cup, it's still the World Cup. And I don't want to look, my mom was talking to me about this the other day. She's like, where's the Qatar? Oh, where's the World Cup? Oh, it's Qatar? 
oh, it's a Winter World Cup. Well, they're probably looking forward to that then. I was like, well, I normally would be, but looking at the 2014 or, or 2018 World Cup qualifying stuff, and they lost to Trinidad, I'm not going to look past this anymore. And I think those types of players that just didn't seem to care are gone. Klinsman's gone, or Bruce Arena's gone. Klinsman's gone too. Michael Bradley's not going to need call-ups anymore, which is, thank you, Burhalter. Thank you. We Every U.S. fan out there thanks you for that. Most overrated player in U.S. men's national team history. So who said that he was a... Uh, Jesse Marsh, coach for RB Salzburg, said that he was one of the greatest players of all time for the United States. No, he's not. No, he's not. Just because he played a lot of games for the United States does not make him one of the greats. That means, by that standard, Phil Jones and Javi Martinez are legends for Manchester United and Bayern Munich. So that's the standard. Just because he played a lot of games does not make you a legend for these teams. And if Phil Jones is technically able to get a testimonial for the Man- for Manchester United. Javi Martinez has played forever for Bayern Munich. It's not, they don't view him as one of their greatest players ever. We've made a United States starting 11 of legends for the United States, and Michael Bradley was nowhere near that. If I had to do it again, you'd probably go with Tim Howard and goal. Not probably. Tim Howard and goal. Steve Trundle at right back. Carlos Bocanegra. Alexi Lalas at center back. You could argue with Carlos Bocanegra and like John Brooks, and I'm probably forgetting someone a very big center back as well, but I'm just blanking right now. I'm going to throw Demarcus Beasley at left back. Who else can we throw in there? So you want to throw Dest in there already? Do you want to throw Fabian Johnson back there? And then we can go with the midfield three with what Claudio Reyna has to go in there. Or we'll probably go midfield two. Or How do we want to do this? Pulisic's got to go in there as well. Then Dempsey's got to go in there as well. Donovan. So we'll throw Dempsey at number 10. Donovan on the right. Pulisic on the left. It's out of position, but Claudio Reyna as a defense. We'll do the midfield three. Claudio Reyna as a holding midfielder, or as one of the midfielders. Kobe Jones is another one. And then probably Josie, just because of the amount of... He's the only good striker the U.S. really ever had. You could run Brian McBride. You could argue him. Taylor Twellman. Dempsey played striker for a while for the United States. So, Michael Bradley's not there. And then you could also argue with, like, McKenney, Tyler Adams, players that are playing right now. You want to throw in Serginio Dest in there? Fabian Johnson we mentioned a tiny bit. John Brooks. Zach Steffen. There's a great history of goalkeepers. Uh, we've got Brad Guzant, kind of. Casey Keller. Tim Miola. Like, there's some great goalies in the history of the United States men's national team. But Michael Bradley is not in the greatest United States 11 of all time. He's just not. It's just how it is. And if you disagree, I'm sorry. This is one time where I'll say your opinion's stupid and wrong. (laughs) But anyways, thanks to Jonas Musa for deciding to play for the rep to represent the United States. Very big, very big news for the United States. Great. I'm excited to see the United States potential moving forward. I'm it's just, it's exciting. I just put it like that. If you haven't followed the United States for years and don't understand what I'm really talking about, you should, because it's get it's gonna get exciting for the U.S. If you're not on the bandwagon now, I mean you, I mean you live in the United States for most of you listening to this. So you're probably gonna be on the bandwagon regardless. So, yeah, that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Talk about quarterbacks, the Bears, and of course the United States men's national team who got some exciting news the other day. So I hope you enjoy your day. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you guys on Friday. Peace.